find ways to start experimenting. Find ways to start being a, being an entrepreneur without having to go all in on it. I think that's the new, like that's the way that I would recommend people go because the easiest way to make a transition is when you're leaving your job and you already have four clients lined up who are paying you. Then comes the part where you're a corporate executive gone rogue who challenges others to think differently and not be afraid to challenge themselves. The Reach West Radio Show welcomes Jason Loretson, a keynote speaker, author, and advisor on all things employee engagement and workplace culture. You're listening to Reach West Radio with your host, Kevin W. Grossman. It's time to live the effectual stretch. Jason, thank you so much for being on Reach West Radio. Before we dive into the rest of the show, why don't we start early on, early days for you, the aspirational world of work, where it all started for you as a child or maybe even a teenager. What did Jason want to be when he grew up? You know, I, that, that should be an easy question to answer, right? I mean, um, it's a question I've heard. I, you know, we had talked a little bit about when you asked me to do this, I knew this question was coming and I uh-huh. thought a lot about this. And I actually, like, I don't, I don't remember having, like most kids can say, well, like, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut or a professional baseball player or whatever. I was thinking back and like the first real career aspiration that I remember was, oddly enough, to be an ophthalmologist and to be an eye surgeon, which sounds ridiculous to me now, but um, I, was, uh, I, had, I was born with a lazy eye and had to have it fixed. I had surgery when I was like 18 months old or 15 wow. months old. And so I think that was interesting. And then my grandmother was just like, she so wanted me to be a doctor. She thought that would be, uh, that would be pretty impressive. And so I think she also kind of nudged me that way. I don't know what it, what else it was. I I would have been a, I would have hated that job in hindsight, you know, it It doesn't sound like that exciting, but uh, that's, that's the only, that's the first time I remember having a very specific career aspiration. I was probably 11 or 12 years old by the time that happened. Well, you know, it's interesting that, that you say that because I think a lot of the things that affect us at, at various ages, especially early developmental ages, whether it be childhood or even into adolescence, does affect uh, what we maybe aspire to for a sh- short term or even a lifetime for that mm-hmm. matter, right? Let's talk about your first job, your first, like what you would call your real job where you actually got paid to do, um, whether that was, you know, you don't have to share if it was like a real paycheck or under the table. I don't care. But sure, what, sure, what sure. was that? What was that first job? And what were some of the early lessons that you learned? Was it like, was it a great experience? Or was it a train wreck? What, what do you got there? You know, all of my first jobs, I grew up on a on a farm in Northwest Iowa. So all of my first jobs or what that I was actually paid to do work by someone that wasn't my parents. Um, we're all farm, you know, farm related. So in where I grew up, we, there were things, the first, I think the first probably work that I ever was paid to do was a job called picking up rocks, which is literally riding around behind a, getting pulled around behind a tractor on a a sort of a flatbed trailer, picking up rocks out of a, uh, out of a plowed field. Wow. Um, It's, it's uh, pretty exciting work. (laughs) I started doing that fairly young. 
but but you know the the job that actually sticks with me is like the first for real job was sure. I when I was must have been 12 years old I was able to get on a detasseling crew with Pioneer Seed and I detasseled and that that job only lasts for several weeks and it was it was a truly truly awful awful job still to this day by far the worst thing that I've ever I've ever had to do it was just uh gross job. And I actually did it two years because the money was good. It was a bad enough job that they actually paid us 12 year olds fairly well. And so, you know, in terms of lessons, I mean, I think you learn like, you know, sometimes part of it for me was like, you just got to get up and kind of do it, gut it out. Um, you know, you, sometimes you do work that you don't love because you got to make money. Right. Um, and what, so, so hold on, hold on. You get, you yeah. gotta, yeah, I, what the, what oh, the, yeah, detasseling. What so, the hell yeah, is detasseling? I, <laughs> I forget about this. Um, so detasseling corn. So in, in the world of, of, of genetic manipulation of, of our, of our food, yes. one of the things that they do is they, they, they cross pollinate these, uh, this corn to create seed corn that has the right combination of, of, uh, you know, whatever the genes are. And so, uh -huh. What they'll do is in certain fields, you have to go out and we would go out, they'd, they'd dump us out and we would, we would walk literally up and down these long rows of corn where the corn would be anywhere from, let's say, you know, sometimes three to five feet tall. And you would walk from one corn plant to the next and you would pull the, an unopened tassel. So the tassel is the flower part of the corn, the sort of the gold thing on the top that opens up, looks like an antenna. You pull, you pull it before it opens, you pull those out and you drop them on the ground to prevent those particular plants from pollinating others. And so you walk up and down, literally just up and down rows of corn, one row or two rows at a time, pulling tassels out of these corn plants and, and they would haul us out at six o'clock in the morning and there would be that the plants would be covered in dew and wet and it's muddy and gross and you get cut on your face by the corn plants and um just a just a crappy job but yeah that's detasseling is that something that i mean i don't if you know or not but is that something that's still done by humans then uh, I don't think, I think most of that work now has been replaced by machines. Okay. Uh, they have a machine that can pull most of them. All, although even when I was, when I was doing it, they had some machines that would do it, but then they would bring us in behind to make sure that all the tassels made it to the ground because they'll still open up or whatever. So, so I don't know. I don't know if there's still big crews that still do that. I still think there is a few here and there, sure. that's, but, but yeah. So probably then it sounds as though that, I mean, yes, it was, it was short term. It was good money for two years, but it was pretty grueling. It was grueling and it was, you know, it didn't last very long, but it just was a, it was a grueling sort of gross job. But, but, you know, on the other hand, it was real work. And right. the second year when I came back, I actually was made a team leader. So it was my first supervisory job at the age of 13 which I completely abused and you know, <laughs> I used it to talk to the pretty girls and, you know, it was like ridiculous that I was supervising anyone, but, but it did at least give me a sense of kind of how work worked and, you know, that so that, that's one of those scenarios then Jason, where your future self then writes grievances about you, right? <laughs> I should, I probably it, owe some people some as, apologies. You, you got to send some notes out. You got <laughs> to bring some closure to some of those folks. Coming clean today. Coming clean. There you go. That's, that's what I like to do in this show. It's fun. So listen, oh, that's great. I mean, thanks for sharing those, those stories. Now talk about the, the kinds of education that you've had to date, post high school in particular. 
And how did that, if any, inform your future career decisions? Yeah, so I, I left, um, you know, I followed a pretty traditional path. I was a, I was a good student. You know, school was fairly easy for me always. So it just see, always seemed obvious that I was going to go to college. And so I, I graduated, got some academic scholarships, went to college directly out of school and um, got a four-year liberal arts education, which I am extraordinarily thankful for. The degree... My degree was in biology with a minor, with two minors, one in chemistry and one in philosophy. I, I still, when I went to school, thought I was going to be pre-med. So I went in as a pre-med student, hence all of the biology and chemistry. And then by the time I got to my junior year, I was like, I don't, I don't really want to do this. I don't think, I don't see a path. I don't see a future in, in science for me. I had done some summer internships and nothing really looked like something I could get excited about. So I went back and spent a year and a half really taking philosophy and business classes because those seemed to be, philosophy was very interesting to me and business seemed practical. And then graduated with a degree I had real, no real intention of using directly in terms of technical. So at any rate, the liberal arts education part of it was really valuable and that it exposed me to a lot of stuff. Sure. I still to this day would say that my philosophy minor is probably, those classes are probably the most important and valuable classes I ever took in class. Everybody begs on philosophy or makes fun of philosophy majors. But I think if we had more philosophy majors, we'd have people that would know that knew how to think critically about things, um, which we desperately need today and we're going to need in the future. So all right, that's a whole nother soapbox. But yeah, so that was valuable. It, it, it didn't really affect, I mean, my first job out of college literally was delivering pizzas because I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then I got into bit, I got into sales because I I wanted to learn business and figured that selling was probably the fastest way to learn business, selling to businesses. And so, so there's that. Um, and then later I did go back to pursue as part of trying to climb the corporate career ladder, bigger jobs, bigger money. I did go back and start an MBA program, but I was, you know, I was going to classes in the evening and I took three or four classes and just realized that for me anyways, I felt like I was learning a lot faster and a lot more effectively on my own and uh, really didn't feel like I was getting out of the program what I was there for. And so I ultimately decided I didn't really want the or need the letters behind my name to, to follow the path I wanted. So I, so I bailed on that after a few classes. So that's how, that's where education fits in. I'm profoundly thankful for what I have, but I would say passion kind of is how I found my, or calling is how I found more my, what I do today. Right. Than, which than education. We're going to segue to that in just a second. The, the one thing I wanted to say is I agree with you on, on having that education. I mean, my, in, my college major was psychology with a minor in anthropology and, and nice. I ne never had one business class in my whole life. It's, it, it's all st street learning for this guy, but, and, and still figuring that one out. But <laughs> so listen, you, you have been a human resource executive for a nice clip, but tell us kind of what, what, what are we doing now? What, what's the transition of late for Jason? I know you've, sure. you've, you've been speaking a lot off and on in this, in, in the space, and we can talk about that too. But so what, what is, what's going on now with you? As of, I guess, the end of October of 2016, so about six months ago or so, I left. I, I had been working for a company called Quantum Workplace, a, you know, a technology firm in the, in the HR space, and left there to commit myself full-time to being a professional speaker. 
I have been dancing around the idea of, you know, I've been being paid to speak now for eight or nine years, have have really been working at that. But for whatever reason, I, I always had kind of put that as a, a sort of side, you know, it was, the way I've been t- describing it is that it was always in either the passenger seat or the back seat. And so at the end of, I had kind of an opportunity to really, you know, process this through and think about what was next and decided that it was time to go all in on being a speaker, um, selling out to that and, and all of what that means. And so that's been my primary focus is beginning to really build and grow my speaking um, business, my speaking platform, my speaking um, career. But also supplementing that with, you know, with that comes things like, I've been doing a fair amount of thought leadership writing. I've actually been getting, like surprisingly, I've been being hired for more writing projects than I ever would have thought, um, than I ever would have imagined, which has been fantastic. And have been doing some some degree of sort of advisory consulting, I would call it, with a handful of corporate clients, sort of helping them think through and sort through um, employee engagement and culture work, figuring out how to make build better cultures or create a best place to work or whatever that might look like. So, so that's what I've been. I'm self-employed. Um, part of the really awesome part of this transition is that my wife was always also going through kind of a transition at the time, career-wise, and um, she was elected to be a city council person in the, the town where we live the end of last year. And so she was kind of going through that. And she also had decided to close down a, a an in-home bakery she'd been running for seven or eight years. And so in all of that transition, we also decided that she would join the business. And so in uh, end of October, early November, I also sort of went into business with my wife as a business partner. So she's working with me and supporting me through this um, as well. So it's been a really interesting beautiful, crazy time over the last six months. So how, I mean, listen, for those that are, that will be listening to this podcast and kind of the, the more of the focus on career development management and transition that I'm going to be focusing on this year and reach West radio, you know, that's, that's not for the faint of heart, right? I mean, yes. I mean, no, I mean, a yeah. lot, and my wife and I have done very creative things too. And we continued to, to do that with one another and, 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 and our own interests and day jobs and side jobs. Yep. And, but that was that's that's risky, right? So how did you has has it has it been working so far? I know it's early yeah. still, right? Yeah. So for me, what I would say is that I some things that I've learned. Um, so you know, I, the focus here being you know we talking talking about career. Yes. Is I, one of the things that's been really really important to me. I think starting probably as early as as my undergraduate years where somebody, I I was fortunate enough to stumble into someone who sort of helped me, taught me how to focus and dig in on, you know, self-awareness and really try to gain, you know, really constantly be asking questions about like, what is it I want to do? What am I good at? What am I not good at? What am I interested in? That, you know, I had somebody kind of get me started on that. Somewhere along the line, I also stumbled into this book, What Colors Your Parachute, classic kind of career book, Nelson Bowles. That one also changed my life, changed my thinking about career and helped me really think about self-awareness on even another level and relative to career. And one of the things that that through all of that self-awareness work, there's some things I've learned about myself. One is I really, really hate being an employee. Like, and I, I know that I am happiest 
when I am not working for someone else. I like working in collaborations. I like working in partnerships. I like working with people. Um, but I, I do not really, I really dislike working for other people, even when they're really good people. So is that, let me, let me split a hair on that one for you. Yep. Because is that, I mean, I get that because I think a lot of us, I, I think, I think individuals and I'll, I'll frame it this way that have kind of sprouted their own entrepreneurial spirit to, yep. to, as one, you know, internally, even if that means that they've had jobs, you know, and different careers throughout their whole lives and never do anything on their own, they still have that spirit within them. That's tough. How do you reconcile that with like just doing consulting work? Cause you're still working for someone technically that's going to write you a check at some point. Yes. Right. So how, yep. how, what is, is the difference being you feel more bound and tied down when it's, when you have a direct supervisor versus yep. the, the, the relationship is more pure. I, I, I like working for clients, but I guess I view working in client relationships as partnerships because right. sure. um, we can fire each other at any given moment. And not that you can't in an employment relationship, but there's a purer sense of value exchange. If I create good value for you, most times, mo most of the time, you're going to be happy and continue to either hire me to do things, or at least you'll be happy with the work that we've done if you're a customer. Right. Um, in the employment situation, there's just too much there's too much baggage, there's too much politics, there's too much insecurity and ego and all the other BS that starts to creep into where you're spending more time worrying about someone else's ego or preferences and, and not as much time worrying about doing the work that matters, making an impact, creating value. And so for me, it's, it's a pure sense of, of uh, or a pure relationship that way. So, so that's why I say I, I, don't, I don't like the experience of being an employee. I don't like the, the boundaries that that puts around, um, puts around me from a work perspective. I also know that I have a much higher risk tolerance than most people. Um, and so the, the risk of taking this on, the risk of being out on my own doesn't, doesn't frighten me in the way that it does most people. Sure. Um, and as in part of that, also, I you know that's led me. This is my third time doing this. this is my right. third go at self-employment. I've failed at it twice, and I bounced. And so I'm also not afraid of the failure um, because I know that I've I've been down that road. I know that it's not fatal. And so. Um, I learned and I moved and, and uh, I use all those lessons to hopefully prepare me this time to be more successful. And I mean, so far, so good. The first six months have been very positive and encouraging and I'm excited by about where we're going, but you know, it's self-employment. We're not out of the woods until we're out of the woods. Well, it's, we well, are not. And it's also, it's that, and I hear you too, cause I've gone back and forth myself. That's, that's a feast or famine scenario. But the fact is if you are owning it, which you obviously are, and I, that kind of leads me to, to kind of the, the, the summation question I want to leave with folks that are that have that entrepreneurial spirit that are looking are itching to do something themselves to be their own boss and to work more collaboratively maybe with their customers and whatever that is whatever services they're offering what what is it that you would recommend to somebody that's really considering doing that is it is it one I would assume and then I'll let you finish yep. your, your answer one of the 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 answers is don't you can't be afraid to fail because you will. 
I think that's part of it. That is part of it. But I do kind of, I like the narrative that's popped up lately. For so long, the last several years, everybody's been like, like embrace failure and blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I like the new narrative that's coming out. That's like, yeah, that's stupid because failure sucks and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be open to failure. Nobody tries to fail. You should really try to avoid failure. And I generally, I didn't try to fail. I never embraced it. I embraced it after the fact because it was a reality. Well, I think, you know uh, what I mean? No. And, and, and I think that that's true. I think, I think the, the, the point is, is that you don't, I, you, you don't go into it saying that, oh, I'm going to fail and it's going to be okay. You it's, you're not giving yourself an out until you have to take an out, yep. right? It'll be hard. <laughs> yeah. So what I would say is like, don't worry about the failure because if it happens, it happens and you'll probably be just fine. You'll be okay. It's going to be the hardest thing you'll ever do. It will test you in ways that you've never, you've never expected. But I also think that what, so the lesson that, that I have had to learn is that it doesn't have to be an either or, at least not immediately. So I think if people are wanting like, hey, I think I want to go out on my own or I think I want to do something like that, find ways to start experimenting. Find ways to start being a, being an entrepreneur without having to go all in on it. I think that's the new, like that's the way that I would recommend people go because the easiest way to make a transition is when you're leaving your job and you already have four clients lined up who are paying you, right? Sure. That's how the transition works um, the easiest. And I think uh, the, the book that, that uh, the originals, the Adam Grant book originals really gets in and unpacks that, you know, this, this hero narrative of entrepreneurship that we have that you got to burn the, you know, burn the bridges and burn the ships and, you know, there's no turning back. It's all in or nothing like it's just false. That's not how it works, not in the day and age that we live in. And so if, if that's what, if you want, if you think this is what you want to do, go find a way to try it, go, go kick the tires and test it. And if it feels good to you, then you know, then go for it, but, but do it as an informed decision, knowing that there's high risk and that, you know, if, if you, if you can think through what worst case scenario is and you can find a way to say, you know what, I think I could probably survive that, then you're okay. Just right. go. Yeah. I think, and I, I, there's another thing that I learned years ago too, that there's, there's a point of over-preparing for such yep. big decisions like that. And I think, and, and in fact, I was just listening to a great TED Hour talk podcast about decisions, making decisions and the science behind that and how we just completely make ourselves bonkers. But I, I think the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, get, get to 80% and go. You, yeah. you, you, you can't have yourself on the hook that I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I got to get to 100% because this is where, you know, this is where you're going to learn lessons and get better and, and know how to, to adapt and all the other buzzwords that we share, right? Is yep. to 80% and go. So listen, Jason, you, you, again, today you're focused on uh, employee engagement and workplace culture. How do we find out more about the, the, the speaking that you do and, and your, the services that you offer? Well, everything revolves around uh, the website for, for me. So my, my personal website is is just jasonlortzen.com. So that's an easy place to find me. Um, but if you, you know, if you type in my name to a Google box, um, we work hard to make sure that you find lots and lots of ways to reach me and reach out, whether that be LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. But uh, the website would be a great place to start. Perfect. Well, listen, Jason, thank you so much for being on Reach West Radio again. And I look forward to seeing you again in person very soon. Uh, likewise, Kevin. Looking forward to it. All right. Have a good one. Take care. 
Reach wise, reach well, reach west, and live the effectual stretch. We'll feel you next time on Reach West Radio. Hey, Bryce, what would you like to be when you grow up? Um, a marine biologist. Beatrice, what would you like to be when you grow up? A firefighter. Why do you want to be a marine biologist? And Beatrice, why do you want to be a firefighter? So I can help people in fires. Awesome.